WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Steelers minicamp is underway. And Lev Bell did not show up. Just think, while the Steelers players are out there in the heat, sweating and toiling hard for the greater good, for the glory of bringing a Super Bowl to Pittsburgh in the name of the late and legendary Dan Rooney, everybody working as one and led by a war hero, Al Villanueva, while all that's going on, Lev Bell will be in Aetna, in a studio, in a digital hotbox, surrounded by pot smoke and flunking that drug test, making some of the worst rap ever heard while his teammates are out there united and breaking their backs. I'm glad Alejandro Villanueva didn't have to deal with that kind of stuff at Quezon or wherever because we'd all be speaking German today or Japanese, Canadian, whatever. This isn't just about the black and gold. It's about red, white, and blue. It's about bravery and camaraderie, whether it's on the battlefield or at minicamp or in the tunnel at Soldier Field in Chicago. It's about sticking together, and Le'Veon Bell is not. Right now, right this second, Lev Bell is rapping and smoking dope. Right now, rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope. These kids today with their newfangled rapping dope. Get those kids off my lawn before they smoke it. Rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope. Sick again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Now, do any of you think for one second that Lev Bell is in that studio with Wiz Khalifa saying, well, I know y'all are smoking dope, but I don't know. I got the season coming up, and if I flunk a test, no, he's thinking rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope, rapping dope. And part of the reason he didn't sign that tender was to not go to minicamp, to not go to camp, to go to the hot box in Aetna, and to get high as an MFer. Because he's not going to get tested now. There's plenty of time to get it out of his system before he gets tested, unless there isn't, and then he gets suspended, and then, boy, it's a brave new world on this show. Say it with me. Rap and dope, rap and dope, rap and dope, rap and dope, rap and dope. Sick again, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. My name is 1059 Commenter. We take you back to the Mark Madden Show, already in progress. Uh, you know what I am really enjoying? Uh, I'm watching the Larry Sanders show from beginning to end on my treadmill. There is so much funny stuff on there. The only thing I don't like is there's a lot of like gags that require, you know, on-camera facial expressions, so I can't steal many of them. But that's what Gary Shandling was the best at. The, the best at... You know, like, there's jokes I've tried to tell from that from the Larry Sanders show that because you can't see, you can't explain. But, boy, that is just a tremendous, tremendous television show. Okay, let's reset the show. You heard from Sean Casey. 
He said he would not have shaken hands with his buddy after striking him out. He would have celebrated with the team. And Sean Casey's the nicest guy ever. You saying he's wrong? You saying he wasn't raised right? There's two schools of thought on this. But I would have celebrated with my team. Sean Casey would have celebrated with his team. And all you soft millennials, you entitled idiots, you just you just think, oh, this is the greatest thing ever to happen. It's definitely not the greatest thing to ever happen. It's not. Not even close. Did you know, by the way, people said, well, if the kid who pitched was soft, if he's not competitive for enough for you, fat ass, then how do you win the game? You know what the score was? 17-10. It wasn't, you know, Bob Gibson against Tom Seaver. Boy, is that a dated reference? Dated references like that are going to put this show in the dumper quicker than I could say Jackie Robinson. Oh, wait, another dated reference. Damn it! Wait, Case just told me who the two best pitchers were. It, it wasn't like uh, those guys, whoever they are, pitching against each other. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. The Caps uh, Stanley Cup Parade was today. And on stage, Ovi said at the end, you know, next year we're not going to bleep any bleep, bleep, bleep. Like, they're going to be good again. I, you know, whatever. Did the Penguins swear on the stage last year? Sid didn't. Sid would never do that. You know, for better or worse. I'm not, you know, I, I got to tell you. I do think it's a bit, a bit inappropriate that Ovi said the F word and a few other choice words on the stage in front of, no doubt, a lot of kids. Not crazy about that. I understand the joy of victory. I understand the celebration. Kuznetsov did it too, dropped an F-bomb, dropped an S-bomb. They're Russians. They're godless people. They don't have any such thing as swear words over there. But uh, I, I just, I don't know. But but I, I have no problem with them going nuts with the cop. See, let me tell you something for sure. I hate when I do that. I hate when I preface by saying, I'm going to tell you, or let me say that, you know, like, just time-wasting and bad elocution. And I am the excellence of elocution, believe you me. Just like when I said, believe you me, that's awful too. And then making a gimmick, making a bit out of saying, I'm going to tell you and believe you me, that that's twice as bad. And I forget what my original point was. So there you go. Four four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. I just got a tweet, sir. I'm aware that Villanueva didn't fight in Vietnam. It's called satire. It's called parody. It's called one zero five nine commenter. More of his fine work. Uh, I also want to talk about the pirates. In your mind, what lost the game last night for the Pirates? Because a lot of people are blaming Musgrove. Well, I wouldn't say a lot of people. I'd say most people have correctly identified the culprit for losing that game as the Bucko bullpen. Because Musgrove hit the one batter, Freeze made the air, but the Bucko bullpen just blew up. But a lot of people are saying that Musgrove shouldn't have hit him, that you got to try to win the game. Let me tell you, I thought that that was the perfect time to hit somebody. You're up 5 nothing. Get something back for Jay Hay, drill the guy, and you're going to win anyway. But that's that's not how it turned out. That was, that was frightening 
how quickly it went to hell. 5-1, three-run homer, and it got even worse from there. That catch that Owings made in center field back to home plate, that was very much a Willie Mays-style catcher, a Ken Griffey Jr. catch, or I guess an Owings-style catch if I want to get more current. Oh, okay, Casey said, I'm remembering now. He said the two best pitchers are Scherzer and Kluber. Scherzer from Washington, Kluber from Cleveland. And, and so, given that that Minnesota high school baseball game ended 17-10, to 10, it was not exactly a pitching matchup between Scherzer and Kluber. How could I not remember Scherzer when I literally talked to Casey about the immaculate inning, which is three batters, three strikeouts, nine pitches, nine strikes. Only uh, five pitchers, I think, have done it more than once, and, and uh, Max Scherzer became the latest of those. And Case would have done that, by the way. If Case is the third batter, and he's got an 0-2 count, and the first guy struck out on, on three pitches, he would just choke way up and foul one off to ruin the immaculate inning. No, no question about that. Uh, you know what else is a big debate in baseball, but I don't know how to talk about it. I, I tried once. And nobody out there trusts my baseball uh, expertise, even though I know more than just about anybody in this town. But I'm not a bucko stooge and fanboy, so that doesn't get you know taken seriously by many people. And I don't care because guess what? Minicamp started today. And the way the Pirates are going pretty soon, we won't be talking about them at all. But uh, the shift is a big topic of debate, and I just don't see how you legislate against the shift. I think it's up to the managers and hitters to figure out ways to beat it. And if it means you, you know, a left-handed hitter bunts down the third base line a bunch of times, you got to do it. And if you don't know how to bunt by the time you're in the major leagues, then shame on you. Case would have done it. I mean, he still would have got thrown out by the left fielder 7-3 because he was so friggin' slow. Did He got thrown out. I think Case did get thrown out 7-3. Yeah, he's the only guy that got thrown out 7-3 to three because he thought the shortstop caught a line drive and the left fielder charged and picked it up and Case thought he was out and got thrown out at first 7-3. to three. Case was slow. we got to get him on here one day to exclusively talk about stories of him being slow, such as when Case joined the Tigers, they were going over the signs. And Jim Leland, of course, the old Pirate manager, was talking to Case. He's the manager of Detroit then. And he goes, Case, we have a special steal sign for you. If I jump up in the air and never come down, that's your sign to steal. Oh, oh this just in Tiger at, at the open at Shinnecock Hills is staying on a $20 million yacht. You know, you know what I've often wondered about, about him at this point in his life? He was famously competitive. Just such a, a badass, win-at-all-costs type of guy. But then after all the problems he went through and he's put his life back together to, to some degree, does he need to win anymore? I, I don't think he can win enough to adjust his legacy. If he did get one more major, that would be kind of a nice, like when, when Nicholas won Masters as an old guy. But you're standing on a $20 million yacht. 
that's like, uh, I wonder how many homes Tiger has where the yacht ranks among the homes. I bet the yacht's like fourth or fifth. I bet he has two or three places that are more expensive. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We're going to hear that A-B talk when we come back. And Stan Saverin joins me at 430. you got to listen to the, a- the A-B stuff because he is trying to make himself seem like the good guy, like he's been wronged and presented by the media in a bad light. All he does is make himself sound like an idiot, more idiot than horse's ass. Certainly elements of both, but more idiot than horse's ass. At one point he says, you, you got to listen, because you won't believe what you heard unless you really listen. He says, man, I told you guys Lev should come to OTAs and work. Then you wrote that. Then you should come to OTAs and work. How dare you quote me accurately? 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. I think you're absolutely hilarious. It's an acquired taste. You, you have the answer, Mark. Thank you. Wait, I wasn't done insulting you. The X at 105.9. Uh, I've been saying that the Steelers won't win with Braun and Bell, as evidenced by the fact that they have not. And I didn't cite the Patriots and their lack of chaos is a, a comparable point. But uh, Mr. Nice Guy still tweeted, Gronk wants a new contract. Edelman is suspended. There's tons of stories about disconnect between Beatty, Belichick, and Kraft. You live in a bubble. Well, first off, we will not be taking any more tweets from him. It'll be no more Mr. Nice Guy. And second off, those developments with the Patriots are very recent. And if they existed before, well, it didn't seem to bother them because Brady has five Super Bowl rings. The Patriots can have all the chaos and disconnect they want now. This group's done its job. They'll be remembered as one of the greatest football teams of all time. These Steelers will be remembered as underachievers. Ben won't. Ben won two with prior groups. This group, the Bell and Brown group, will be remembered as underachievers. Those two players won't win a Super Bowl. I've said it for how long. They haven't really come close. And uh, I don't see them winning a Super Bowl Moving forward, I guess A.B. was in that Super Bowl. They lost to Green Bay as a backup. And he still bitches about not being a starter instantaneously as a rookie. That's what that Instagram tweet was about that kind of roasted Bruce Arians. Okay, let's go. It's a two-parter. We'll play part one now. This is Antonio Brown addressing the media today at minicamp. Antonio Brown on the X. You guys put pressure on me every day. You guys write about me every day. You guys, you know, there's always pressure. You know, I can't, I can't seem to get away from the pressure. Don't you, I'm sorry. Don't you put pressure on yourself, though, AB? I mean, you talk about that a lot. Yeah, but not the pressure you guys put on me. You know, I'm not writing about where I'm at, what I'm doing, making up stories, asking my teammates stuff they got to answer for. You know, I'm here, and I don't want to throw it back up. You know, we got a rookie quarterback here. Where's the respect? But, you know, no one cares about, you know, what they write about and what they say about people. You know, I'm just left to deal with it. Can you uh, explain though why why the Arians thing bubbled up now after he's been gone for so long? And do you still resent the whole two dogs one bone thing with Mike? No, 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 I don't resent anything. You know, it's just a, it's just a form of football that you know I think people don't get a chance to understand. 
You know, I think people go write stories about me and they wonder why, why he didn't play his rookie year, why he didn't play this year, or what may be the case, what may have you, you know, but as a player, I think you got to start expressing those things that uh, year by year that you go through to get them out your head. You know, I think the more you bottle stuff up and you're not aware of expressing yourself, that's when these players have problems, you know, but we ain't talking about the players who don't play anymore, the guys who can't remember anything because, you know, their whole career they was taught, you know, to hold stuff in, you know, uh, you know, I think we can't really express ourselves at this level. You guys make the headlines. You guys ask me about Le'Veon. Oh, what do you do for a contract? What do you think you should do? I just say, yeah, sure, it'll work out. Now you guys write the article to say AB says he want AB. I mean, Le'Veon to show up. So it's constantly pressure. You know, it's constantly under the scrutiny, scrutiny of pressure of you guys put me under pressure. And it's like, you know, am, am I really free? You know, what am I playing this game for? To acquire records for who? You know, when I'm done playing, no one gonna remember. Who, uh, what my stats was in 2016 or what my stats was in 2015. So, you know, those are the things I got to clear my mind for getting away from the game because, you know, a lot of uh, issues this game present that you guys didn't really cover and no one else said anything about. You know, I'm just left to deal with the manage from my house and what you guys make up and create. And it's like no one even cares. Talk, what what issues would you rather see Is this something that you just want to get out? Are you just venting? you you feeling no, bitterness I'm just, towards I'm just, I'm just taking the facts, you know? Oh, my God, so much pressure. So much pressure. I can't stand the pressure. What am I going to do to cope with the pressure? It's basically Antonio Brown claiming fake news in uttering fake news, which is quite the daily double. He's still debating why he didn't play more his rookie year. You heard him. He says he's bottled stuff up. My God, if this is bottling stuff up, I'd, I'd hate to see Antonio Brown when he really cuts loose and expresses himself properly, which he claims he can't do, even though there were six cameras and two dozen microphones uh, in close proximity today at Steelers minicamp. It's it just amazing that he thinks he could say stuff that's undeniably false and stupid and no one's going to criticize him for it. Case in point, as you'll hear in the next soundbite, he will claim that he was wronged because the media quoted him as saying that Lev Bell should be at OTAs when that's exactly what he said. In other words, he wants the media to take his quotes and any that might come back to haunt him, the media shouldn't use. But the media doesn't give a flaming dump about Antonio Brown, so the onus is on him to watch what he says, but he's never going to do that. And there's also the irony of him telling Le'Veon Bell to show up for OTAs, and then A.B. didn't show up for what was it the last eight OTAs. The guy's just a dipstick. He's a tool. He's a narcissist. He's a horse's ass. There's no way to like this guy. And if you do like the guy, then you're probably not very likable yourself. In fact, I know for sure I wouldn't like you. Up next, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. It's Stan Saverin. Then uh, later on in the show, we'll have the second soundbite from Antonio Brown. You can hear it all right here on the X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hi, Dylan. How are you? We got the clap. Can't be beat. Got it off the back of a toilet seat. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. I'm joined now by the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media, 
from AT&T Sportsnet and uh, ESPN Radio Pittsburgh. It's Stan Saverin. Stan, Antonio Brown uh, kind of lost his mind today talking to the media at minicamp. Uh, what's your take on some of the nutty things he said? Don't you have to have a mind before you can lose it? I mean, isn't that um, uh, one of the precepts? Uh, it's clear to me now that the A stands for asinine. Uh, it's just absolutely asinine to complain about attention when he, above all, loves to draw attention to himself, whether it's driving these cars uh, into training camp or the Facebook stuff. or You know, it just, it's, it's just absurd. I, Mark, in my experience over all these years, I have found that there are an awful lot of players who think that the salary that they draw is for catching passes or throwing passes or hitting home runs or striking people out or scoring goals, and they think that's all that they are paid for. Um, and basically that's true, but when you make the kind of money that they do, there's pressure that comes with it. He was complaining about the pressure he's under. Well, if you don't want any pressure, you don't work. Makes it tough to eat, but, and I don't want to denigrate anybody. I admire people who go out and earn a living and work hard. But if you don't want any pressure, then think about riding on the back of a garbage truck. See that can, pick it up, and put it here. And again, I'm not taking a shot at anybody. I'm just saying that the superintendent has more responsibility and is under more pressure than the kindergarten teacher. Not that both aren't important. These guys think that I shouldn't have any pressure. Uh, I shouldn't have to acquiesce to any public demands, even when they themselves seek it out. Well, Uh, well, Stan, forgive the interruption, but I just don't think there is any pressure with this guy. I mean, he has no accountability. He comes and goes as he pleases. He acts as he wants. The team will never do anything to, to discipline or even try to get him in line. That's what I found ridiculous about his statement. That and... He was actually berating the media for quoting him accurately. Right. Stan, Stan, he said, I said that Le'Veon Bell should be at OTAs, and then you guys quoted me saying that Le'Veon Bell should be at OTAs. Well, duh. You said it. I meant the pressure of performing on the field. Um, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, you play Sunday mornings in the church basement when no one's watching. <laughs> Why do you think you get $15 million, whatever he gets, $15 million a year? I mean, there's responsibility that comes with that. There's a pressure to perform, otherwise you don't get paid that. Um, I'm at pressure performing. You know, it's an old trick, Mark. You've been in this a long time. Blame the media. You don't like what comes out. Uh, blame the media. Look, I once had a guy, when I was at Channel 4, a player complained that I misquoted him on tape. He's on tape, TV tape. He's on tape, and he claims that I misquoted him. This is their mindset. Uh, again, this guy, he, he's just an ass. He's a great player, um, and I give him this. He's a clutch player, too, but this kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, then they wonder uh, why people question the things that they do. This is just asinine. And it was a bad way to start minicamp because it could have been a very positive minicamp in terms of there. there is some stuff to talk about. Uh, I know you can only learn so much in three days, but well, to start, people love this Morgan Burnett, don't they? The free agent safety from Green Bay. And he does seem to be part linebacker, Stan, which is what they're looking for. Yeah, I think when we talked about what they were looking for in the draft, we knew that inside linebacker was critical. Clearly, they didn't get one. Clearly, they don't have a good one. Uh, with all due respect, 
Um, Vince Williams is uh, a second inside backer at best. He really is nothing more than a special teams player and not a bad one, but they've decided to do an end run, if you will. By They're going to reconfigure the defense, Mark. I think you're going to see a lot of nickel with safeties in there. You're going to see a lot of dimes, and that circumvents the need for having quote, the traditional inside linebacker like they had with Shazier, of course, and with James Ferrier before him. So, again, no, they didn't get their inside linebacker, but when you look at who they signed, who they drafted, not one but two guys who fill that bill, now they've got three of them, uh, I think you're looking at, you know, kind of circumventing it. And, and, again, getting back to the, you know, the mini camp and the OTAs, to me, okay, we get it. Latrobe is where the real work is done. But I still maintain not only do you have a new offensive coordinator, and, yeah, he's been around, but everybody who takes over any job after serving as an underling for a while has their own thoughts and philosophies. So you can get something out of this. And as I say, I think you're going to see the Steelers take a different approach philosophically um, on defense this year, which means that what you pick up in the three days could be important. Stan, I want to talk about the Pirates a bit. What was your take on Musgrove's hit batter in the seventh? Was it the right move, and how instrumental was it in losing the game? I don't think it played any part in losing the game. Would anybody have said anything if the guy hit a single or he walked him? Uh, absolutely. They've been pushed around for too long. And this isn't a you know a blood and guts kind of thing, but there's a certain way to play the game. As far as putting a guy on base, uh, let, me, let me refresh my memory. There were still nine outs that had to be had. There were still many opportunities to win the game. It's a five-nothing ball game. I think he absolutely had to do that. Harrison gets hit a, hits, uh, gets hit a lot, uh, and I think he's already said when his, he had the slide into Baez, uh, not anymore. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't play that way. This is the way I play, uh, and I think it's appreciated. And there were many more outs to go that easily could have won that game. I mean, that, that camouflaged the fact that the bullpen stinks. Oh, the Stan, I, I don't know that it camouflaged it that much. Uh, how can that bullpen be that bad, even Rivera with four blown saves? Uh, that's, I think that's one of the big disappointments. Look, everybody in there was a question mark except Vasquez, and now he's become a question mark. Um, he's thrown one really good inning recently, and that was in a 7-1 to game. Uh, I don't care about that. Santana had been good. Mark, if you take all the major league teams and just use ERA, and that's not always an accurate number for a bullpen because, to me, inherited runner scores, hits per inning, those are factors for relief pitchers. You can be a relief pitcher and have one bad inning. It takes you a long time to bring it down. That having been said, the Pirates are 26th out of 30 in bullpen ERA. Now, the team with the worst ERA, and don't I know it, is the Cleveland Indians, 5.72. The Pirates are 4.50. But the Indians have better starting pitching, and they get deeper into games, and they also have better hitting. Um, certainly, Rivero slash Vasquez was counted upon. Everybody else is a question mark. And the starters bear some blame, too. They're very inconsistent, with the exception of Musgrove, and they don't go deep into games. So you have to use them more often, and that exposes them even further. We're talking to Stan Saverin. He's brought to you by the law firm of Senderovich, Senderovich, and Fishman. Uh, yeah, I said Rivera when I met Vasquez. It's tough to keep up. Uh, by the way, just 
good for Joe Musgrove. If they had 25, they wouldn't win any pennants, but I wouldn't mind seeing 25. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm impressed by Musgrove, not just yeah. last night, but he's done well. He's got guts, and he came off as the GOAT last night because people looked at where the rally started, but I thought, I think he has been, you know, his limited duty, duly noted, their best pitcher to date, him and Nick Kingham, who's in AAA. Yeah, no, I, I, Musgrove is the only guy who's put together four, and granted, he just got going, he's the only starter that's put together four quality starts in a row. I had him as a guest on my show last week, Mark, and he comes across like that. Hey, uh, I was asking about the Baez thing and the Cubs thing, and he said, um, no, nah, not going to do it. Um, uh, it's not going to happen on my watch, um, and you know, that's good. And, by the way, he's pitched very well on top of it. Good for him. Stand up. Will the Pirates trade Cervelli and Harrison? Diaz is coming on. Gung's coming back. Is the clock ticking on those two, given the Pirates' revenue dropping due to lack of attendance? I don't think that the revenue part of our dropping attendance um, is going to be a factor. I, I really don't. Because he's still, with the $50 million every team gets from that Internet thing or whatever it is, um, yeah, he makes more if more people come. But, I, I mean, I don't think that's the motivating factor. Oh, I'd better bring in uh, Manny Machado in here because I'll draw you know extra 12,000 fans. I don't think that's the motivation. I think as far as the trade is concerned, I really think um, uh, that uh, I would definitely consider trying to trade Cervelli in the offseason. Um, I'm not so sure that, that Diaz and Cervelli's had a nice season thus far, but he does get hurt. Catchers get hurt. I mean, that's, that's a fair. You need, you need to. You need two, um, and you don't want to get into a situation where you have a Chris Stewart backing you up. But I do think that um, Diaz might be better. He's certainly younger, and if you will, cheaper than Cervelli. The problem with Cervelli is going to be he's 32, um, he can, and the bigger problem is he makes $10 million a year. Uh, I think you can get something for for Jay Hay, uh, but again, who do they have in the system to catch? And you know, they also have to consider maybe a more likely bet would be to trade Jordy Mercer. He becomes a free agent. Um, you know, look, Jordy Mercer is is not Francisco Lindor, but being fair, he's a pretty solid guy. I mean, he is what he is. He's a solid guy. You know, some team might need a guy like that. Um, uh, again, Jay Hay, I kind of think, like, again, a $10 million salary, he might be better served to trade him in the offseason if, indeed, they're thinking about trading him. Stan, what Penguin is most likely to be traded, taking into account that another team has to want that Penguin? I keep hearing Connor Sherry's likely to go, but I'm not sure what the market's going to be like for him. Uh, I think he's likely to go, but I also think you're not going to get anything of great value in return. I mean, you're just not. Um, you know, you look around and, and you know, see the pieces on the team. Uh, I'm not convinced that he wouldn't consider trading Broussard. Uh, I think that the caveat is that Rutherford said that he was hurt. Uh, and, and I think you have to take that into consideration. And we know that he can, he can be a really good player. But if they like Shane enough, maybe you're looking for that winger. Maybe you get him for Broussard. Maybe you're getting uh, you know, a really solid defensive defenseman uh, with you know with some physicality to him for Derek Broussard. Again, I'm not advocating trading him, but I certainly, if I got a call, I would certainly listen. Uh, I, I know that people are talking about, well, maybe Oli Mata. You could get a lot for Oli Mata. 
But people have to remember he's only 23. Well, no, no, Stan, that's what I've been saying. I think that the guys that teams might want, aside from the you know the upper echelon guys, are Brian Rust and Ole Mata. And if Jim wants to shake up the team, I don't think he'd be overjoyed to trade either of those two, but they are tradable. They are tradable. And um, I would be more – and, again, this is not about, well, I don't like this guy. I don't like the way he plays. Um, I, I certainly would not be um, – I'd be reluctant, but I would not be above trading Brian Rust. I think you can get something for him. I mean, he's just, you know, a fairly important part. He didn't have a great playoff. Uh, there are a lot of them that did not. But, again, you have to give something to get something. Um, I, I'd be really reluctant to trade Olimata. I mean, right now, their top 4D, pretty good. You know, pretty good. Oh, no and, question, Stan, but they're not going to trade Dumo, not going to trade Tanger. Justin Schultz probably will have as much value to other teams as he does to Pittsburgh. So if you're going to trade a defenseman, it does leave Oli. Now, I don't want to trade him. I, I think he was arguably their best all-around defenseman for most of the year, head neck-and-neck with Dumoulin. Yeah, Dumoulin uh, was on. We had this conversation last week on my show. I mean, Dumoulin, to me, if somebody calls me about Brian Dumoulin, I'm hanging up the phone. I mean, I, I consider him in that group. Again, I don't want to. Uh, I, I'd be really. You'd have to pay me a ransom to get Olimata. And if the folks out there think I'm, uh, I'm overstating his value, I don't think so. I thought he had the best year of his career last year. Uh, I, I do rate Dumo slightly ahead of him based on last year. I thought Dumo was their best all-around defenseman. But Olimata, boy, there's something to be said for how solid and steady he is. I think he's underrated. Why? Because he's not flashy. Uh, I, I, I would be reluctant to give him. Uh, guys like Brian Rust, I, I definitely would consider. Um, and, I, 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 again, I don't want to trade Phil Kessel, but if somebody calls me about him, um, given his age, given his salary, given where they're going, I read your column about the entire nucleus, the entire nucleus, uh, with the exception of Murray, is over 30 years. Now, they still have a cup run in them, but maybe two. That's why I don't want to trade some of these really valuable parts. Um, and that's not to say that Brian Russ isn't valuable. Connor Sherry, they can find someone like him. But, again, it may be time to get a little bit younger, maybe a little bit hungrier, too. Stan, great stuff. I'll see you Thursday on your program. All right, Mark. Thanks very much. That's Stan Savern, brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Going to talk to Bob McLaughlin next. Also, there's the weirdest story I've read about in quite some time in hockey involving Eric Carlson and Mike Hoffman of the Ottawa Senators. And uh, it's got to be one of the reasons, among many, why Eric Carlson wants out of Ottawa. We'll get to that in a moment, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, big fan. We get a bunch of dorks. Dinks and twits. Is this Mark Madden? My mouth is watering just talking about it. The X at 105.9. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, this story just kind of broke. Uh, Eric Carlson and his wife have filed a restraining order against the girlfriend of Mike Hoffman, who's his teammate in Ottawa, because she was cyberbullying Carlson's wife and uh, wishing death upon their unborn child, which which actually happened. The baby was stillborn, and uh, afterwards the girlfriend of Mike Hoffman allegedly accused Carlson's wife of popping pain medication, implying that it killed the baby. I mean, the Hoffmans are denying it, but 
it, it looks like a pretty definite trail of proof on the internet. I mean, there's no fool in the internet, is there? Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, if they're taking this case to a courtroom and they are asking for this protection, you know, they claim thousands of online messages and things uttered in public and in private to them with other witnesses. So they're, I'm sure that they've got to have some pictures of some of the screenshots and stuff like that. But Mark, some of the details, unbelievable. And I know that you get a group of people in a class, on a team, in a fraternity, in a dorm, something like that. You're going to have some people not get along. Well, if, um, if I were Eric Carlson, and obviously he's going to be traded uh, this offseason with one year left on his deal just because he has no intention of resigning, and, and that's just how that situation usually plays out. But if I'm Eric Carlson last year, I say, look, Hoffman's got to go right now or I'm just going home. Yeah, absolutely. I I would not put up with that for one second. And you wonder if he did. I mean, if there's more to this story with the just break, and I'm sure that they're trying to keep as many details. Yeah, but Carlson kept playing, as did Hoffman. But, I mean, did he go to the team? Did he go to, you know, Eugene Melnick and say, How could you not? Exactly. And how do they not do anything? I mean, if they show them one or two tweets... They're claiming thousands of online messages, you know, just constant right on harassment. Facebook tweets, Everywhere. message boards, et cetera, just, they, just unbelievable. At team functions, you know, in public with other people to hear them and stuff like that. I mean, holy cow. It's it, Well, let's just say this story is not going away in the next couple of days. It's going to just get uglier and uglier. Uh, Bob, you saw the Antonio Brown sound. We played part one uh, this hour. We're going to play part two next uh Wait, what hour is it? Oh, it's almost the third hour. We're going to pay part two in the third hour. But uh, what was your take? He was just trying to paint himself as having been wronged by the media and paint it in a bad light. And I think what he said has totally the opposite effect. Yeah, you you used the phrase earlier, I think, personal awareness. This can't be good no for No self-awareness. Him. Has no self-awareness at all. No self-awareness. I mean, some of the points he was making – he was calling the media out for doing their job and saying that, yeah, even though I said this, you guys don't have to write about it. You don't have to pressure me. I mean, this is somebody who seeks out the camera. This is somebody who has, you know, myriad online presence, whether it's him shopping for sneakers, whether it's him, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. And I don't begrudge him that at all. That's, you know, his prerogative. He can do whatever he wants online or out in the public, but then don't sit there on the first day of minicamp where you've got all sorts of things afforded to you and all sorts of opportunity and complain about well, all well, of he, it. He said that, that he can't properly express himself, and he said it by my count to six cameras and two dozen microphones. How in the frig is that on him having the opportunity to express himself? Yeah, if anybody on that team has taken the opportunity to express themselves to new limits, I think it would be 84. Well, no, 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 Bob, he says he bottles stuff up, but I've never seen any evidence whatsoever of that. <laughs> well, if he bottles it up, you know, somebody asked him about Lev Bell. He felt free to talk about that. Somebody asked him about, you know, the new quarterback with the Steelers. He felt free to talk about that. At any time, he is free to not answer the question or to ask for another question and move on. Well, you, you know what he could do? If he wanted, he could not talk to the media at all and just express himself on social media. But there's two flaws in that plan. One is he'd still F up on social media. Social media has been a worse enemy to him than the media. Yeah, absolutely. Like like his uh, little impromptu post-game show on Facebook Live after they beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, Kansas City, in 2017. And then when he ripped Arians and Tomlin the other day on Instagram, which I don't think enough of a deal was made out of. Although they asked him about that too, Mark, and he was happy to respond to it. Well, and the second <laughs> flaw with, with that idea is 
He is a nailed-on attention whore and will never stop talking to the media. He'll never stop disliking the media, but he'll never stop talking to the media either. Yeah, I just don't get this one. I think that that's the reaction of most of the media down there also because some of the questions, and I know you've got the second soundbite ready to play, some of the questions were kind of incredulous like, you know, you were the one talking about this, or, you know, you're the one that brought this up in the first place. We're just following up on it. Don't you think you pressure yourself? That was the first question. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's just the horse's ass. And I don't believe they can win with the environment him and Bell create. And I think that'll be realized too late. And I think it'll be realized in a big way once Ben leaves, because I think Ben is the only thing keeping that ship afloat mentally. You know what? That's the one place where I might disagree with you a bit, Mark. Uh, He is such a talent on the field, and you've seen him single-handedly win games. I think they still can win with him. I think that they need to, and we said this how many years in a row now, they need to clean all of this crap up and just get the football. But they're just not going to. I I agree with you. Like I I, said on Twitter moments ago, why can't Bell and Brown just shut up and play? When it's been proven that the way they prefer to pursue it doesn't work. And speaking of self-awareness again, the same with Lev Bell. You have to know what the market is going to pay you. You have to know what's reasonable, what is not reasonable. Well, yeah, he said today that he won't take anything less than $14.5 million per year. And I just don't believe he'll get that anywhere. I, it's damn tough to get that. Especially not with his career. Not in its death rattle, but... Bob, it, it's closer to the end than to the beginning. Well, you're still seeing social media stuff. You're still seeing tweets from him about the receiver stuff. He wants to be paid X amount as a running back. He and wants to be paid even... And that, that's just not going to happen. Exa- and I think and comparing, every- comparing AB's salary to his in the minds of management, not just Steelers' management, but any team's management, has no relevance. Exactly. It's the awareness factor again, and he has to understand that is not going to happen. And whoever, you know... Whoever his people are, his agents, his promotion people, all of the people that have to deal with him, they have to somehow. Their job is to make him understand that. It's to get them everything. It's to get as much as he can get for them, but it's also to understand there is a ceiling, and you're above it right now. That's Bob McLaughlin. He's brought you by 84 Lumber. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about the new sports media and why I hate it so. I want your calls about what A.B. said. We'll play that second in a series of sound bites in just a little bit. And Sean Casey said he wouldn't have hugged the batter after he struck him out in that Minnesota high school baseball game because he's a professional and he's out there to win. Now, that last part I said, not him, but let's just quote him as having said it. 105.9 The X.